Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast for teens and for parents of teens, a podcast to supplement your weekly study of the Come Follow Me curriculum with thoughts, ideas, principles, stories, and questions all geared towards helping teenagers better follow Christ through their teenage years. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Come Follow Me podcast for teens. I'm Josh Downs and today's episode is episode 8 and we're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6 today. Blessed are ye. Now the key points of this lesson today is that we're going to be looking at first of all the Sermon on the Mount. One of the, well the greatest, probably landmark sermon that Christ gave that we have record of. He covered so much in these chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, really in one sermon, just about laid out the entire path that we are meant to walk from beginning to end, from imperfection to perfection. So many great insights and principles here. This is one of the prime fishing holes that there is in all of the scriptures. And I refer to it as that because one of my favorite statements I referred to early on, in fact, in our introduction When it comes to teaching, I always tried to follow this motto, that you can give a man a fish and feed him for the day, or you can teach a man to fish and feed him for a lifetime. It was more important to me to have students catch things on their own than it was for me to give them things that I caught. As good as they may have been, as powerful as those insights might be, there is always more power in you catching something for yourself. Now, that being said, if I'm a fishing guide and I want to help somebody catch some fish and start to learn how to do that on their own, um, I'm probably not going to take them to, say, the Provo River, uh, which is a very popular river here in, in Utah. It's a very difficult river to fish, and the chances of them catching something probably are not going to be that good, especially if they're brand new. However, if I were to take them somewhere like, oh, I don't know, Tibble Fork, it's just kind of a, a reservoir that on occasion is stocked with fish, well, they're going to catch a lot, and they're going to have a lot of fun doing it, and then guess what? They're, want to go, they're going to want to go back and do it again. Well, the Scriptures in a lot of ways are very similar. If I want somebody to enjoy the Scriptures and to, to get some things out of them so much so that they'll want to go back, I probably am not going to give them some chapters in the book of Isaiah to read. <laughs> That's just, let's, let's avoid that altogether um, for now. But what I might give them, uh, a section to read it would be something like Third Nephi chapter 11, where the Savior comes and speaks to the Nephites for the first time. Or I might send them somewhere into Proverbs. You almost can turn to any page in the book of Proverbs and find something that sticks out to you. Point being, there are certain places in scriptures where you will have a lot more success in catching principles than at other sections and other places. Well, The Sermon on the Mount would be near the very top of the list as to where I would send somebody to go learn something and to catch something from the scriptures. And so you should have an incredible week of study as you go through the Sermon on the Mount this week. Now, just a couple key points to to start out with before we get into our key principle today. In the Sermon on the Mount, he starts out with what's referred to as the Beatitudes. The blessed are ye if you do this or are this or are that. And he covers about, I think, 10 of them or so. And one of the things that I think is important to recognize is that in Hebrew, one of the words for blessing can be interpreted to be happy, to mean happy or happiness. And so a lot of ways what I see him saying in this sermon is that not only blessed are ye if you do this, but also happy 
are ye if you do this? And so as you go through, I would invite you to consider how are you happy in each of these things? How can you be happy in each of these things? How how does being poor in spirit bring happiness or mourning with others bring happiness or being meek or hunger and thirsting after righteousness or being merciful or pure in heart or a peacemaker or or even receiving persecution? How can you find happiness in those things? One of the other things he points out that's kind of a, a landmark of this sermon is where he counsels and invites us and instructs us all to be the salt of the earth. I think it's important to recognize what salt really is and one of the key functions of it. Um, obviously, back then it was used to preserve things, but I'm thinking more of salt today. Salt is very humble, if you think about it. I mean, when was the last time someone said, that there was just the right amount of salt on my food. <laughs> it really, when it's done right, almost goes unnoticed. It doesn't get recognized, right? On the other hand, if there's too much or too little, you'll hear about it, right? We know about it. Well, one of the ways that we can compare that to us in our injunction to be the salt of the earth is that when we follow Christ, one of the best qualities that we can have with us is that of being humble and not trying to draw attention to ourselves. And I wanted to point this out and take just a moment with it because I know it's very opposite for what teenagers typically do. There is this drive to draw attention and to be seen and validated and heard and recognized in so many ways, some of which are needed, but some of which are very unhealthy. And I think it's important to recognize that when the Savior invites us to be the salt of the earth, he is inviting us to make a difference as simply and as subtly as we can. The other thing that he counsels and invites us to do is to let our light so shine in this particular sermon. This is where the let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works scripture is found and referenced. And there's a great principle uh, when it comes to letting our light shine as it relates to contrast. We don't have time to get into a lot, but I invite you to consider what is the value of darkness when it comes to seeing light? And how does that relate to you and the light that you're being asked to give? There's also some great principles in here about forgiveness. And towards the very end, there is the injunction to be ye perfect. But I think it's important to recognize that the word perfect in Hebrew actually means to be complete. Because perfection is pending, as President Nielsen says. It's a process. It's not meant to happen in this life but we are meant to be moving towards that ideal. Now, that being said, the key principle that I chose to focus on for this week that I would like to spend some time with you discussing is based on a quote from Chad Wilcox, who said, God loves us just the way we are, but also loves us too much to leave us that way. He is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount how he plans to help us to change how he wants us to change and to grow and to progress. And he's teaching us the process of change. And I think it's important to recognize that. One aspect of change that I want you to look for as you go through your study in here is the element of letting things go. Years ago, a friend of mine shared with me a story that he had come across in Reader's Digest that ever since I've, I've retold in a number of ways, but the premise was basically this, that there was a group of researchers that wanted to study a certain type of monkey better. 
However, they just couldn't seem to devise a, a trap to catch this particular monkey without also possibly injuring them. Until one day they heard about a method to trap monkeys that had been used for generations by tribes of African natives. What they would do is take a, a coconut or some kind of a hollow gourd or, or maybe make a hole in, in some rocks and basically a hole just large enough for a monkey to slip its hand through. They would then attach it to a rope or to a chain or even just weigh it down with additional rocks so that it couldn't be carried off. And inside they would place some sort of food, rice or nuts, something that a monkey would want to grab. And then they just sit back and wait because it didn't take long for a particular monkey to find the food, slip its hand in through the hole just big enough for it, and grab hold of it. And that was really all that it took. The tribe members would then simply come out from hiding, walk towards the monkey, and capture it. Because you see, as the monkey grabbed the food, he was no longer able to take his hand, which was now in a fist, out of the hole of the coconut or the rocks or whatever it was that was devised to catch him in. Instead, it would just scream and cry and tug as hard as it could while trying to escape the approaching captures, but it just couldn't break free. Why? Because it wouldn't let go. <laughs> now, I've found that to be very true of us in many ways. God intends to take us to a certain place, but one of the biggest barriers that we have in getting there is letting go of where we've been. Now, I want to say that there are three basic types of laws that govern different places in this world. Law number one, we'll call it the law of the jungle or the telestial law. Law number two is the law of Moses or the outer law or terrestrial law. And law number three, we'll call it the law of Christ or the inner law, the celestial law. Let's start with law number two. In the law of Moses, you're familiar probably most with it because of phrases like an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. It's really a law of recompense. It's doing to others as they do unto you. It's based on justice. If someone hurts you, the law states it's just to hurt them back. As that is our baseline, we can probably now understand laws one and three a little bit better. If law number two is an eye for an eye, well, the law of the jungle is basically every man for himself. <laughs> do unto others before they do unto you. These kinds of people just go around poking eyes and knocking out teeth because they can. It's all about them getting away with whatever they can at the expense of others. Take no thought for anyone but themselves. It really is the survival of the fittest. And unfortunately, we see far too many people living their lives according to this law. Law number two, though, the law of Moses, you know, the world actually wouldn't be too bad of a place if we all just followed rule number two and took careful consideration of others in the process because basically whatever we did, we would know would come back to us the same. As was mentioned, law number two is about controlling the natural man inside of us through outward rules, laws, and punishments. We see the majority of our laws today centered in really aspects of this law, the law of Moses. You commit a crime, there is a punishment. You break a law, there is a consequence. These laws try to regulate life and eliminate the law of the jungle through responsibility to others, justice, and the fear of consequence. But what about law number three, the law of Christ, or the inner law, or higher law, or celestial law? He came to the world to do away with the law of Moses and to show us a better way. 
And nowhere is this better taught than in his landmark sermon on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And that's what I love so much about this chapter and where I want to spend our time. Listen to how he describes where he wants to take us. After going through several things like the Beatitudes and the light of the world and salt, he really starts getting into how he has come here to help us to change. And the first reference is this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he says, Ye have heard it that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. That's the law of Moses. right? Law of the jungle is kill or be killed. But the celestial law, Christ's law, the higher law, he says, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. In other words, the law of Moses was, Thou shalt not kill, or you'll be killed. But the higher law is, I don't want you to even get angry. He says to reconcile with your brother and agree with your adversary, to diffuse anger, not to promote it. In another example, a little bit further down in verse 27, he says, You've heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, what kind of world would we live in if there was no infidelity? The law of Moses really isn't a bad law. The law of the jungle is quite the opposite though, isn't it? But Christ wants to take us to a better place. And so he says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. In other words, I don't even want you to think about it. A little bit later on he says, You've heard it said of old time, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Again, the law of the jungle says, just go around, poke out any eyes, knock out any teeth that you have in order to get what you want and to get to the top. But the law of Christ, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. After that, he said, you've heard that it had been said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemies. The law of the jungle, only love yourself. But Christ's law, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. It's one thing to only love ourselves. It's another thing to love those that love us. And how hard is any of those things, really? Where Christ is trying to get us to is, I want you to love your enemies. You guys, can you see what he's trying to do with you? He's trying to take you and I to a better place. A place where change happens on the inside, not the outside. That's why this is such a difficult law to kind of measure. It's easy to see those that live by the first two laws. Most of them are recognized by outward acts. But the law of Christ is best seen on the inside. And so it's more difficult to see. Christ is trying to get us to let go of the way that we have been living And hold on tighter to him. To let go of the lesser laws and embrace his law. And you know, I'll bet there are days where you do pretty good. I know there are days where I do. But then there are days where, I don't know, I'm out driving and somebody cuts me off. And yeah, I don't do so well at not getting angry. And you've probably had things happen like that to you in your school and and with friends even. Sometimes with family. And I know we certainly live in a world that's very conducive to lust. There are some real difficulties that we have in making these changes, especially in the world that we live in today. And so one of the things that I would kind of conclude with is that perfection, even though it's desired and what we're working towards, to remember that it's also pending. 
that this is a process and that it's a process that does not happen nor will it conclude overnight. That, as Chad Wilkinson said, worthiness is not flawlessness. Remember, if anything, a quote from Kung Fu Panda when Poe was told, if you only do those things that you can do, you'll never be anything more than you are right now. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall short. There is no success without failure and there is no celestial kingdom without the fall. So give yourself the space and the grace to improve and to make mistakes in the process as you move forward to letting go of the old way of living and embracing Christ's way of living. Now, let me just give you a few key questions to journal and discuss that I really feel can help you internalize these truths as you move forward in your life in trying to live the law of Christ. First question is, what is he asking you to let go of in your life? that will help you to move closer to living his law and his life. Next question is why is that so hard to let go of? (laughs) We're a lot more monkey-like than I think we realize. Question number three, how have you felt him change you from the inside out? Question four, who has been a good example to you of someone that has been doing their best to live this higher law? Not because they have to, but because they want to. And the last question is, what can you do to hold a little bit tighter to Christ and those things that are a part of him? I add that last part because I found that when I hold tighter to Christ, I also seem to hold tighter to my family. When I hold tighter to Christ, I seem to have a tighter control over my thoughts and so on and so on. So what can you do to hold a little tighter to Christ? Now let me give you just a couple application questions to try to apply all these things in your life starting today. Question number one, what will you quietly do to let your light shine for others to see today? What is something that you will say to someone to lift them and you today? What is something you will give to someone to lift them and you today? And the last question is what will you do to give both yourself and others more grace and space to not have to be so perfect. Now, hopefully that's been helpful. Again, as always, just a reminder to keep looking for those three things in your study this week. One, how does this lesson bear testimony of Christ? Well, through his sermon, he certainly bears testimony of the way to get to God, which is him and his life. As you read through that sermon, think about all the ways that his life was a living example of everything that he taught. Also be looking for additional principles to help guide you in your life. And of course, any character traits that you see of Christ. One that you should see right away is that Christ is a teacher. Well, Thanks for listening today, you guys. Let's take these principles, doctrines, and truth in any that you find in your own personal study. And let's go follow him better this week. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to Come Follow Me for Teens.